but you're blessed to have a man that has a real heart for God and heart for people. Amen. And we're we're honored to be here with you, my my wife Nancy and I. Uh, just a little bit on, on my background. How many of you like to know who's cooking in the kitchen? <laughs> That's why I do this up front. Uh, first of all, I'm Jewish by birth, so that lets you know I'm not a church kid. Uh, secondarily, I'm from New Jersey. I am certainly not a church kid. I'm from New Jersey, you know, they know about us over there. But anyway... Uh, and I was a heroin addict, you know. I was still in the state of New Jersey on narcotics charges a long, long time ago. And I'm sitting in a high school assembly and um, trying to make a long, boring story a little shorter than usual. It was an, an anti-drug assembly. I just turned 19, so obviously I thought I knew everything. And I'm sitting in the balcony, and this guy is giving this story. And he's nothing about Christianity. He's been a rock musician, talks about it your fatal overdose and I'm not interested in listening but all of a sudden I feel something brush across my face and I hear a voice now what's a loud booming audible voice is what we would call the whisper you know what I'm talking about the voice said to me you go listen to this guy's got something to say you don't know everything that was my first word from God but nevertheless I found out what his schedule was. He was speaking in three or four high schools today. I caught up with him two later. We ended up at an A&W Root Beer stand parking lot. And those were the days when they would greet most strange-looking people in the back of most churches with a pair of scissors and a can of Lysol. And they tell you, boy, you should get shaved before you can get saved. How I many of you know Jesus catches his fish before he cleans them? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've never heard of, I've never heard of fishing, and I'm a city boy, I'm urban to the core. But I've been around a little fishing, I've never heard of fishermen say, fish, hear me well. The only fish I've catching today are fish that don't taste like fish. And those bones are head of scale, matter of fact, they don't even go to my hook, they go straight to the grill, fillet. No, Jesus doesn't do that. In essence, the song that we were singing earlier, the songs we sang were so powerful. And immediately that day, I gave my life to Jesus. I started telling people within 90 minutes. That was how long it took me to find somebody or encounter somebody that I knew. And I just looked at him and I said, look, I just asked Jesus to come in my life. I don't have to do drugs anymore. Don't you knock him until you try. Well, the conversation stopped because I didn't know anything else. I'd only been saved for 90 minutes. I told everything I knew and Jesus drafted me into a lifetime adventure of telling people Jesus will change your life and trying to help other people do the same thing. Along the way, I met a very lovely young girl, uh, Italian girl, and uh, on this day many, many, many years ago, she said yes. When I, uh, and we were married many years ago today and the Lord And as I think about this, our very first date, we were both working for a Christian recovery program for ladies and women coming off the street, Baptist. And, uh, you know, in those days, the ministry would go to a church and, and they, we would show a movie, an old movie called The Cross and the Switchblade. I don't know if any of you saw that before. Yeah. 
and uh, there would be some of the ladies from the program singing, and I would preach. Well, our first date was a service like that. She was part of the worship team, and I preached. We showed the movie, and so here we are today, <laughs> celebrating Jesus, doing what we, as they say, doing what we do by the grace and blessings of God. But you know, I don't want to talk a lot anymore about me because you guys can surely take a, a midday nap then. <laughs> but you know, I've, I've got a thought, and uh, you know, we we have the privilege of going all over the world. But basically, we feel like we're missionaries to America. We teach in Paris, we teach in Christ of the Nations, a little bit on evangelism and outreach. But our heart is for people that were just like us. The Lord has graciously allowed us to go back to where we came from and tell people. Actually, when I got saved, I mean, I got saved, I was a drug addict, I got delivered, I cleaned up pretty good, and and I knew immediately Jesus had called me to minister. And I thought, I'm going to be a great preacher, preaching great sermons to great people and help them get greater. <laughs> I, and, and funny thing but is, you know, I cleaned up good, got rid of the old clothes and all of this stuff, and I, I started to pursue that way. And the Lord spoke to me again. He said, son, you can do that, but I'm going to have to change your name. I'm going to have to call you Jonah. I stopped gold in my tracks. I figured I wanted to be a new creature in every way, shape, and form. And, I, and while we are, that's our heart and our passion. For years, we, we take in Armand in the morning around New Orleans to tell people about Jesus on the streets and all kinds of stuff. But um, I want to ask you a question. And uh, maybe you've had a thought like I have. Uh, how many of you believe heaven is, is great? Yes. yes. And if heaven is as great as you've heard and Jesus really loves us, this is a thought I have. Why didn't, right after we said, Jesus, come into my life and forgive me of my sins, why didn't he just take us to heaven? You ever have that thought? Like, it would complete the immediate salvation experience. Like, you know, the storm is, no, the storm is here, absolutely, and, it, and it's raging. Like, why do we have to do this? Lord, why didn't you take us away? And, um, uh, another way to look at it, have any of you seen that? That series that's on now with Joseph. Yeah. I mean, that, that really uh, portrays, probably greater than any movie I've ever seen, being with Jesus. Uh, it, you know, it's shot in Midlothian. And we were down a couple of weeks ago with a group of pastors where, they, where they're shooting with. They got all the sets of all of this stuff. And in Midlothian, Texas. And we go, look over here. Over here is Capernaum. And over here is... And, but as, as you watch that, you, you can put yourself in the company of those walking with Jesus. And um, just imagine, you're there with him, and you've been with him for three and a half years. You, you, you know, what you hear is not somebody telling you what Jesus said. It's Jesus saying it. You witnessed the miracles. You witnessed the healing, uh, the feeding of the five. I mean, all of this stuff. And you're thinking, life looks. The future looks pretty good with him. The Messiah is going to come, upend Roman rule. Life's going to be really good with Jesus in the driver's seat. And then he says, "This I'm leaving." 
I don't know that, 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 that might strike you, but it's like, are you serious? <laughs> uh, like, um, uh, you know, and he makes a few promises about coming back and a few things that would take place in the meantime, but the fact remains, we're still here in the middle of the chaos and the storm and the insanity, and sometimes it's good to remind ourselves of the reasons why we are here as believers. And I want to do that with you just for a little bit this morning. I began to think about this. And it all starts to me with the great all-time declaration of Jesus in Mark, Matthew 16, 18. He said, I will build my church. And you know the rest of it. The gates of hell will not prevail against Hallelujah. Now, uh, man, that, that it's almost hard at times to wrap our mind around it. I know what Jesus wasn't saying. Well, not too long ago, I was down in Bible and Foods, down in South Louisiana, down by Lockport. Maybe you're familiar with that part of the country. And there's a church I've ministered in for 25 or more years. And, and I walked, walked into the building, and there's a lobby, there's a little wall, but right next to it is where the sanctuary was, because there came out of whack. And, so, and obviously, Jesus, when he said, I'll build my church, wasn't talking about an indestructible building, is the point. Neither is he talking about a tightly run corporate structure. He's talking about you. Amen. You and I. That can withstand the onslaught of hell. Those that can stand. When the storm is raging, when hell is, is melting at us, and go greater see this in me than strength in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. That fear that's coming against me, well, God is love, and that God is love lives inside my heart, and perfect love casts out fear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus is saying, I'm going to build a hell-resistant people. That's one of the reasons we're still here. <laughs> Second thing I want to look at with you is in 2 Corinthians 5 20. And Jesus said this. Now then, oh, let, let me back up. I need to give you another verse here. I like 2 Corinthians 2 14. Now, thanks be to God. I know you can thank God for a moment. Amen. Yeah. Now, thanks be to God who always, when the Bible says always, it wasn't me, God. Always. Always. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. And then, and through us, diffuses or spreads the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. We were dancing around having a bite to eat last night. This fellow was standing next to us. He goes there often. And we started to look and think, how can we... I mean, had a great conversation. The guy knew places we knew, lived in places we lived in. And, and it's kind of crazy. Uh, and... And but yet Nance, I felt this, but Nance was really tuning in. How can we diffuse or spread a little bit of the knowledge of Christ in this conversation? Let me put it this way. And she just begins to straight out bring it out. All of a sudden this guy starts confessing the Lord and and kind of pull him out of the closet, if I could put it that way. Second Corinthians five twenty, the second thought. As a reason that I believe that Jesus has us here is this. Now then, we're ambassadors for Christ. 
as though God were pleading through us. We implore you, we beg you, we beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. One of the reasons we're still here is that we are ambassadors. Now the Assemblies of God had their youth department for many years called Christ the Ambassador. I thought that's pretty good, but it's not just the youth department. Yeah. Representing Jesus Christ. An ambassador. What is an ambassador? It's an accredited diplomat sent by country as its official representative to a foreign nation. Someone authorized to act on behalf of a higher authority. And they serve as his representatives. See, it becomes obvious to me Jesus had no intention of, of totally abandoning his people on, the, on this planet. He had a plan. He's got a purpose. And one of them was for his people, like you and me, to act as his representatives. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I need a fresh wake up to the simplistic calls of God upon my life as a believer. I mean, Jesus wants to raise up a strong church, and today that's not so easy to find. You look around and you see folks that, I mean, can I be straight up here? Thank you for your permission. I have a feeling it's acceptable in this context. And I'm from New Jersey, so I have a little attitude. If you grow between Philadelphia and New York, you better have something or you're going to run over on the turnpike. <laughs> but you look around, you see a lot of compromise. You see lukewarmness. You see a scattering. You see carnality. Don't you know it breaks God's heart? Yes, it does. It really does. And yet, you have some people that will be hell resistant and as his ambassadors. An ambassador. To me, that's an honor and a privilege, but it also carries a great responsibility. You know, sometimes when people give, give a prophetic word to someone, I remember one specifically given to me in 1994, early in the year. We were part of a church. It was a large church. It was a midweek service. And I had slipped in on Nancy and I had served in leadership there for a number of years. And um, I come in midweek service. I wasn't dressed churchy. Now, this is 1994 in Dallas. And I didn't come, I, you know, I wasn't dressed churchy. And so I came in, I kind of sat in the back. And the fellow who's teaching, he starts to say, Scott Hinkle, I don't even know if you are here. I swear. <laughs> and he gives me and declared one of the most detailed in reading the mail words I've had in a long time. Speaking to something that was taking place in our life that even has effect upon us today. And you know, sometimes you give somebody a prophetic word and, and you think you're going, oh my God, I don't listen to this. I sat in the back of my pew sinking not the president going, I'm responsible for this. <laughs> and there was a weight to it. Rather than go, hallelujah, you got a word. Well, I'm glad God spoke to me. Yes, but I'm like, I felt the weight and the response. I don't know why I'm sharing that, but there it is along the way. But there's an honor and a privilege to being an ambassador. 
We represent the interests of our whole country, heaven, in this foreign land. We are authorized and empowered by the Holy Spirit to represent and act on heaven's behalf now. Never been more needful than this moment, May 15, 2022. I'm trying real hard. Look, if you preach on the streets like I have, you got to listen to what people say. you got to duck when their arm moves. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm in the right place. First Peter 2.9. I love this, but you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. Now this version I've been at says his own special people. Forget that one. I like peculiar people. How many of you know peculiar people? How many of you are recognized as peculiar people? My wife and I had this discussion often. <laughs> we ought to be peculiar because you proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peculiar people. God's own special people. I need to make this statement. I am an American and I believe I'm patriotic. But there's something that's come to bear in my heart and my mind and my spirit that even supersedes that. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. When I die, I'm not going anyplace else but heaven. Hallelujah. By the grace and mercy and blood of Jesus Christ. Again, I I believe I'm patriotic for our country. And I'm proud that I'm an American. But you got to understand, when I became just more realized that I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God, there was a peace and a freedom that came into my heart, in my mind, in my thinking that I don't know that I had before. I walked with Jesus 52 years, coming from a totally, truly unchurched background, but yet I, I, I sensed the freedom to conduct God's business in a way that I've never felt free before, internal. Yeah. It's because. We are citizens. If you are born again uh, and, and a child of God, you are your ultimate citizenship is in heaven. Please understand where I'm coming from. Amen. Say this with me. I am, I am an ambassador. One sentence now. I am an ambassador. We're accountable for this role. Ambassadors aren't kings, queens, celebrities, rock stars, or earners. They're active representatives acting on behalf of the interests of their sending government or nation in ours as heaven. Reason number two Jesus left us here is to be his ambassadors and his representatives. Every believer in Jesus Christ, this is something God gifts us, grants to us. Is this taking place? Our understanding of this. I ask you to pose this question to yourself before the Lord. 
how may I fulfill my role as an ambassador in a greater way in the days ahead in my circle of life? I mentioned some of the things that Nancy and I do places we go, that's not your circle of life necessarily. But what about your circle of life? How can we act as an ambassador of Christ in the circle of life God's assigned us? Third thought I want to share with you this morning. In John 16, 7, we read this. Jesus said to his disciples, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Stop there for a moment. You're one of the followers of Jesus, and Jesus is saying, <laughs> Jesus is saying, It's your, for your good I go away. Jesus, wait a minute. Have you forgotten a few things here? You raised my son from the dead, you healed my mother in law. Yes, you hear my mother-in-law. You provided miraculous. You've done incredible things. And you're telling me now it's for my good that you go away. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and let me finish this sentence. I don't know if you good to finish the sentence when Jesus was talking. Very truly I tell you it's for you good that I'm going away unless I go away the advocate or the helper or the comforter. Also known as Holy Spirit. How many of you are grateful for Holy Spirit? Oh, yes, amen. Yes. Yes. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus loved us so much, and he knew it. He is fully aware of every challenge that was taking place in the early church and at this very moment and everything in between. He knew that we, it's impossible for us to fulfill his purpose, our destiny in and of ourselves. There's not enough caffeine or protein drinks or whatever you want to help us get through and fulfill what God had for our life. Yes. I know, I have tried excess caffeine. I realize, though, that I would never be a good Mormon because I believe in caffeine. No, Thank you very much. <laughs> My pastor says before, there's the anointing, there's Starbucks, that I'm now called St. Starbucks, but nevertheless. <laughs> the third reason, reason number one, Jesus left us here was to be a hell-resistant people. Reason number two, that we are left here is to be his ambassadors. The third reason Jesus left us here was to be a vessel empowered by the Holy Spirit. Yes. Amen. In Zechariah 4, 6, not by my, nor by power, nor by anything else, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Say this with me. I am empowered by the Holy Spirit. I am empowered by the Holy Spirit. An ambassador is authorized by his home government and given authority. I like Luke ten nineteen. Jesus said, Behold, in other words, listen up. I give you power and authority over all. And the Bible means all, not ninety-five percent, all the power of the enemy. Amen. That's pretty common stuff. We serve an immense, immeasurable God in face a very puny enemy 
Most of the power the devil has is what we give to him. Scripture tells us that the day when the rapture jerked off, the devil, some of us are going to probably be embarrassed. A story about my youth, a friend of mine and I, and young folks, you know, we're walking down the street late one night. We carried knives in those days. And uh, all of a sudden, we hear a dog barking. We jump up on the roof of a car. We whip out our knives. We figure we're going to be battling the shepherd, Doberman. We look down. It's a chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> and my friend Charlie, uh, you know, that night we had an into an unspoken that We never tell anybody. That's the truth. Illustration is um, some of it, you know, that that's that's the one that kept me up at night. That's the one that messed with my marriage. That's the one that robbed me in this in impeachment. When we begin to grow and understand that. There is, and I can give you other illustrations. Acts 1 8 You shall receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses to me. Not necessarily that you will go witnesses, not necessarily that you will do outreach or mission trips, but that we will be. We've gone to Cuba a number of times in our first trip there. Uh, we often will have a kind of a best, you know, give us a high point, your low point, and tell us a little bit about yourself in our morning meetings before we go and serve the community. And one fellow said, um, you know, I've, I've done this mission trip, I've done this mission trip, I do this effort, and they do that. And I sat there thinking, and not trying to be the charismatic, spiritual curmudgeon, well, I thought, I don't do mission trips. I don't do outreaches and I don't do evangelism. I've chosen to make it part of my life. Now, when we do things, it kind of ramps up my being. And we get this mindset while we live our life, but then we go over here and we do something for Jesus. But then we go back over here and we live our spiritual life. That is entirely different than what we just did. Are you tracking with me on this? And that's why when we were out for dinner last night, I'll just use that as an illustration. We were talking to this guy, and Nancy, spiritual uh, forces were just, how can we connect, how can we share something, how can we sow a seed into this guy? I was there too, but hers was, was more... Um, ramped up. Let me put it that way. <laughs> but we're going to this way. We're going to influence others. God has given us the power to run into the storm. I love the story that triggered my thought about David and Goliath. Goliath is threatening him, make, making a trash talking him, if I could put it in that context. And he said, what am I, a, a, a dog that you come out with the stick? Well, come over here, kid, I'm going to give your flesh to the birds of the air. And Goliath starts to come. David didn't stand there and wait. He just ran straight towards Goliath. 
He ran to the battle. He didn't wait for the battle to come in. He ran to it. And we know the rest of the story. Hallelujah. But we're here, not of our own, but the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, grace and truth, church, is here in this community, touching hearts and lives, beginning with ours and spreading around. The fourth reason we're here, I've only got five, so we're getting close. In Luke 19, 13, reading out of the original King James Version, Jesus said this, and he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds. And he said to them, Occupy till I come. Now, the first part of that verse, ten pounds. What would be our ten pounds that we've been entrusted with? Our salvation, the word of God, the gift of the Spirit, the name of Jesus, the power of God, and so much more. We have been entrusted with these. These have been delivered to us. And the word occupy means to carry on business or invest. It doesn't mean, well, let me ask you this question. Have you ever visited a church that you were not a member of but you were a guest and then you sit in somebody Else's seat. <laughs> I was ministering, I think it was in Florida, and my family, Nancy, and the kids were with me. And, you know, we walked into the one pastor kind of pulls me away. And Nancy goes into the sanctuary with our kids to find seats. So she comes and sits in the second row, and she sits down. And then the lady comes up behind her, and that was her seat. <laughs> And I mean, if you can feel that, I mean, have, have, have somebody look at you and you feel like they're looking at you with daggers, you know, coming at you. And so that's kind of taking place, the lady behind me and, and my children. And the pastor stands up and says, you know, we're honored today to have Evangelist Scott Hinkle here with us to minister. Right over here is his wife and family. Would you please stand up and there she stands of course, that lady's dagger ceased to flow from her eyes. But Nancy had sat in her seat. I mean, look, that was probably the, 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 the sum total of her religion was sitting in that seat. Her theme song might have been, I shall not be moved. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing nothing. But I got my seat and this is it. Well, that's not what Jesus meant when he said, Occupy or hunt them down. Squires rights. <laughs> Occupy has to do with carrying on business. Well, what kind of business? So look at the life of Jesus for a moment. How many of you are still with me? Okay, good. I'm going to move forward. Luke 2 49. We have the story of Jesus. 12 years old. You know, it, it, it was customary for, uh, for the Jews to go to Jerusalem for the holidays. And they would travel in a caravan, that's the best way to put it. And so his family left. Jesus turned up missing. They thought maybe he was with Uncle Mordecai, I don't know, but he wasn't there to go back to the temple. And you know what the story is in verse 49 of Luke 2. 
Why did you seek me? Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? Father's business. Now, what does that mean to us? I think the phrase father's business to begin with refers to having a relationship with the father. Yes. And an awareness of our mission as believers and ambassadors. It begins, I think, with, with, with the attitude of our heart in Matthew 6, 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Then you can take it further in cultivating a heart and mindset for the Father's business, Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, and I believe that applies to the ladies as well. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. We could take it further to Matthew 4.19. Jesus said, follow me. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's an interesting statement. Uh, I interpret that this way, and Pastor Will, you've got a great theological mind, so I'm going to submit my statement to you before I make it, and you can give me thumbs up or thumbs down. (laughs) If we are really following Jesus, then we're doing a little fishing. If we're not fishing... They were not fully following. Thumbs, oh, I got two thumbs up, man. <laughs> Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Friends, that's part of the Father's business. Fish don't jump in the boat. How can we see more people engaged in grace and truth by our inviting? By our speaking to them. Jesus is the co creator of the universe. There are, from my understanding, 118 elements that make up our world. Jesus chose to, to describe our lives. He said, You're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Those two elements influence. Everything. In our meal last night, uh, sandwich I had it was salty. The meat was salty, and Nancy said, mm, "It's salty. It was good, but it was salty." <laughs> Salt affects everything. Like this room could be pitch black, and a cheap paper laminated mat. If you strike it, you would see it all over. We are designed for influence by becoming believers. Whether we are a sparky, sanguine-type AAA personality (laughs) or a classic introvert. Third reason Jesus left us here is the fourth reason is to occupy and take care of his business. Let's say this together. I will occupy and be about the Father's business. One sentence now. I will occupy and be about the Father's business. 
the final thought for a reason that we're here. It, to me, the perfect illustration of it comes out of one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts, chapter 16. This is the story of Paul and Silas. Uh, they cast the devil out of a girl who was fortune-telling. And her handlers had them locked up because he was no longer making any money off of the fortune-telling. And so they're in prison. And so they're having their own little personal worship service and the Bible says others were listening in. And then as a result of their worship time in prison, there's an earthquake. The walls fall down. The doors fly open. The jailer is about to take his own life because he figured, man, all the prisoners are gone. And Paul hollers out, Hey! We're all still here! And so the jailer comes up and gets saved. You know, where that statement comes, What must I do to be saved? And that brings us to verse 37 here in Acts chapter 16. And the word comes down from above the magistrates that Paul and Silas should leave. And I'll read verse 37. Well, I'll start in verse 35. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said, you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was locked up and they said that, I'd be out of there in a heartbeat. (laughs) But not the apostle Paul. Paul replies, they, pump, they have publicly beaten us without a trial, put us in prison. We're Roman citizens. So now do they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. Let me give you my interpretation of what I just read. They say, Paul, you can leave. But we want you to leave at 3 a.m. I want you to go to the airport Get on the plane. You're going to arrive there in a van with chain windows. Nobody's going to know what's going on. They're going to fly you on a red-eye flight to the other part of the world. Nobody's going to know what happened. Paul said, ain't going to happen, pal. That's my interpretation. <laughs> he said, look, we are Roman citizens. You have treated us illegally, unethically, and immorally. And now you want us to slip out the back door and leave quietly. Not going to happen. Here's how it rolls. We leave tomorrow, 12 noon, front door, with a parade, with the mayor, the chief of police, and the jailer, and I'm on a, I'm on a news conference with Hebrew Broadcasting Network. <laughs> In case you don't understand, you will not go quiet. <laughs> now, what's the point? Friends, we can feed the hungry, we can close the day. We can administer assistance where it's desperately needed. But don't you dare say anything about Jesus Christ. Say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say it. Don't you dare say anything about Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. My friends, 
I'm weary of hearing about anything else. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about good versus evil. Yeah, very good. Amen. And we are here to be held resistant. We are here to be his ambassadors and his representatives. We are here to be filled with the Spirit of God. We are here to occupy. I don't want us. We are here to be a voice. Sorry. Yes. His voice. Sorry. Amen. Yep. I could continue to ramble on passionately, but let me speak to you from the scripture for just another moment or two. Psalm 107, verse 2 says this Let the redeemed of the Lord. How many of you are redeemed of the Lord? Amen. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those who've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. <clears throat> Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Yes. What is the word of our testimony? What the blood of the Lamb is accomplished in. Our life. Right. Friends, you may not be a great theologian. You may not have memorized every salvation scripture to fulfill proper evangelical protocol in, in, in evangelism. <laughs> no one can deny what Jesus has done in your life. That's right. You have a story of Jesus healing you, forgiving you, delivering you. I learned many years ago to him. A man that modeled to me that my story could become a weapon. A weapon against the enemy. Lifting up the standard for Christ's power to change lives and to heal and deliver. Who says, I don't have that kind of story. Look, a leader, drug addict, gang member, tattooed on the back of a Harley and smell like a sewer. Well, you're a sophisticated, squeaky, clean, and religious bitch in the helmet of a five rolling in a bed, driving a Bentley. <laughs> you have a testimony of Jesus changing your life. Yes. Somebody needs to hear it. Yes. Romans 8 19 says the creation waits, the world waits in eager expectation for the sons and daughters of God. That's right. There's one last verse. I have so many I can read on this, but I have to read one that I cannot escape. <coughs> It's been rattling on the inside of me. Psalm 94, verse 16 and 17. And it poses this question, who will rise up for me against evildoers? Who will take a stand for me against the workers of iniquity? There's a psalmist posing a question, but it goes a little deeper. Unless the Lord had been my help. Yes. Friends, this is what's chilling. My soul would have settled in silence. Friends, the Lord is our help. The Spirit of God is speaking to us today. The Word of God has been speaking since Pam went to paper. Many, many years ago. How many of us have Bibles? More than I have a great collection through the last 50 plus years. I'm grateful for them. But friends, we are here to be a voice. You may not have a massive media platform, but you may have somebody to talk to. It happens all the time. Nobody 
can deny what God has done in your life. There's somebody that's been watching you for years. Mm-hmm. They know your life. Um, I go to a couple high school meetings every now and again. They're funny. They're going to go to. I went to one many years ago at the school. I was in three high schools. This one I graduated from, but I was only there for a year. And I went to a high school reunion. It's being held in a country club. And I'm standing around uh, the pool talking to some former classmates. And all of a sudden, I see this guy working his way through the crowd. He's glad-handed. You know what I mean by glad-handed? Hi, how you doing? How you doing? He's like the best church on steroids. Hey, how you doing? And he comes up and he says, Hi, Scott, do you remember me? I'm thinking, I could never forget you. If <laughs> <laughs> you remember back to high school and all of the cliques and the circles, we were poor opposites. His father was a prominent doctor in his little Midwestern community. He was Mr. Popularity, Mr. Congeniality, yeah. Mr. Good Student, Mr. Make Me Nauseous. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been voted nevertheless, believe that alone. He grabs my hand and he says, Hi, Scott, you remember me? My name is. I said, Yes. He said, I want to tell you something you probably don't know. He said, After you became a Christian, all of a sudden my ears go up. He said, You gave me a little tract, a little pamphlet. I knew your life. And I figured if. What was in that had anything to do with the change in your life? I wanted to read it. I did. Uh, later on, became a Christian. I'm in ministry today, and I'm a pastor. I want to say thank you to you, Hallelujah. folks. I had no clue. I didn't remember. I may have, might have been in a spiritual charismatic Holy Ghost But somebody's waiting for you. That's right. Say something to offer the prayer. We're here to be <coughs> a very clear in the world that we live in. That our souls should never settle in silence because the Lord is our Amen. My life version with this up close and bring us to a word of prayer is Acts 20, 24. Out of the new living, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. You know, this morning we've taken a look at the five five reasons why we're still here. To be the hell-resistant people. To be ambassadors, actively representing Jesus. To be recipients of the power of the Holy Spirit. To occupy Taking care of the Father's business. To be a voice. I don't know how that sounds to you today. But to me, when I, when I even review those and speaking to you about them, it brings me to a fresh point of surrender in my heart and my life. Jesus, I want these things to be real in me. 
I want these to be pillars of my life and my walk with Christ. How about you today? In a moment, I'm going to ask to those of you that would say, you know, Scott, I'm, I'm surrendering my heart in a way that, that to fully embrace these five thoughts today. The world is waiting for us, my friend. The world is waiting for what is so unique in, in, in Jesus in, in this place. But before I go, I need to ask you this question. Are you here today and this is good? This is a great place to be. But sometimes we can feel a little bit like on the outside looking in because we've really never surrendered our heart fully to Christ. It's one thing to know about Jesus. It's another thing to really know. In this part of the country, sometimes we can kind of have a culture of Christianity. <clears throat> I just grew up around church. Mama went to church. Daddy was a deacon. I understand that. But that is not my background, that's not my, my, my place, my, my thought. I realize there's a real difference that we have to make that decision. Becoming a Christian doesn't happen by osmosis. It's my invitation for Christ only to come in. And maybe, maybe we drifted away. We made commitments in the past, but life has happened. But friends, there's never been a better day to go full war with Christ. Christianity never doesn't make sense at 32 degrees. It doesn't make sense at 98.6. It makes sense at 212 degrees at one point. So we ask you to close your eyes on me for just a moment. I have to do this. And it's simply you say, Scott. I just have to make my heart and my life right with God, either for the first time or a renewal of a full commitment to Christ. No one else is looking around, but if that was you today, if that would be you at this moment, would you just put your hand up and down that I know and that's part of our discipleship? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Secondly, is this. You say, Scott, those five points that were brought out. I want them to really become integrated into my walk with Christ. That by His grace and power, I am a healthy system person. That I live as an ambassador, filled with His Spirit, occupied, taking care of Father's business, and God using my voice in some way, somehow. But if you would say, Scott, I choose to take these five and make them tenets of my faith and my life in Christ. <laughs> if you can, stand to your feet with me right now. And if you raised your hand a few moments ago, join these other people also. And I want to lead you in just a two-fold prayer. The first will be with our friends and our family that are making a fresh, new commitment of their lives to Christ, either first time or renewed. And the second, we will take those five pillars of truth and declare them as part of our life by the grace of God and the help of the Holy Ghost. Let's pray out loud. Let's pray loud enough that they hear us next whoever's next door. Maybe they need to hear maybe that voice will hear it.
But let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, Lord, Lord Jesus. thank you for your goodness and loving kindness. Thank, thank you for your goodness. You have more for me than I can ever deserve. I choose right now, Lord. I choose to make my heart in life right with you. To make my heart in life. Give me of my sin. Give me of my sin. And living my life in ways that don't honor you. Live in my life fully, Lord Jesus. I commit myself to you. Those five truths of your word being becoming hell resistant. Being your ambassador. Empowered by your spirit. Occupying and being about the Father's business. And being your voice in my world. I choose to have these made part of my life. Every day, I will grow into these. In Jesus' name, let us give God thanks. Lord, we love you. We love you. God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. I want to just pray a general prayer, mention a couple of things, and go back to Pastor Abraham. Father, I thank you for your presence. Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in hearts and lives. And if you've come today and you say, Scott, I'm wrestling with a physical infirmity, and I believe Jesus is the healer. My wife and I can both testify to God's healing power. Amen. In 1986, she was diagnosed with cancer, and in between two operations, the cancer disappeared. And there was an additional miracle. We didn't have insurance. And they said it was going to cost a good $50,000. I was a young traveling preacher. Stopped traveling. Not, didn't have a lot of money. Number one, the cancer disappeared. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We, we had a little saying that we, that if we beat the cancer, there better be a millennium. We'll need a thousand years to pay the doctor bills. Yeah. Funny thing, they were all paid in 45 days. Miraculous. Amen. But if you come, and if we could go on and on and on. But if you say, Scott, I am wrestling with a physical infirmity and I believe Jesus is the healer, as Pastor Will testified today, would you raise your right hand wherever you're at right now? And if there's somebody standing by you, I'm going to ask them to lay their hands on you. You may have one hand raised for healing. And that's okay. With the other hand, you're going to pray for somebody else. It reminds me of an old song by my friend Chuck Gerard. With one hand, reach out to Jesus. And the other, bring a friend. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you not only do you forgive our sins and empower us to be your vessels on the earth, but you are a healer. Jesus, I thank you that no weapon formed against your children will prosper. You are no weapon of infirmity, of sickness, and pain, and infection. No, no weapon of depression that accompanies an infirmity. Jesus, we thank you for your healing power flowing into your children today. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We praise you, O oh God. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you honor, God. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We love you. Let's just take a moment and express thanksgiving to God for his goodness. Lord, we love you. We honor you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your goodness. 
Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your provision. Lord, thank you for reaching our children, oh God. Thank you for, for, for your healing in our hearts and our families, oh God. We thank you for that, Lord. Lord, we honor you. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord. Again, let's express thanksgiving to the Lord. Can we do that? We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Thank you, Lord, that in you are open and future. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated if you like. Bless the Lord. It, it's been Nancy and I are honored and privileged to be with you today. I sure love you, Pastor. We have a few things. Really, the resources. Our primary passion in life is to share the gospel with people, but also to help believers be vessels of the gospel. So we have a few tools that can help you. Very easy. Uh, one of them is a little book that I wrote several years ago called Christian Come Out of the Closet. Let me just say it's not about that. <laughs> you got to be clear, but it is a it is a positive, practical, easy one hour read. It helps people begin to share their faith in everyday life. Uh, secondarily, recapturing the primary purpose, a manifesto for third millennium reformers. This helps put the Great Commission back in its place of top priority. Thirdly, is the book. I really never wanted to write. It came from another high school reunion. Um, it's the high school I was in for three and a half years, and I was first my first season put after drugs. But I go to the reunion there, and uh, they know me. And um, I'm standing in a banquet hall again, and another former classmate comes up to me and says, "Scott, I heard you're a minister." I said, "Yes." He said, I was surprised. I said, so am I. <laughs> um, the truth is, we share some of our stories, some of the miracles that God has done in us and, and, and uh, to us over the years. But really, the point of it is, is God's raising up a surprise generation. Those who weren't raised in church, but they get saved and filled with the Spirit of God and have a burning passion to be used by God. And we talk some about that. Um, when I got saved, I was immediately, I felt immediate call to ministry, and I read Billy Graham's biography and got depressed. And the reason was I read, I mean, he did great things, but I thought, Billy Graham wasn't on drugs. Graham had never been in the mess that I've been in, so what can you do with somebody like me? And part of this is to encourage those that are, I call them surprise generation being raised up to help run point and bring the gospel to the world. So this is there. There's a, my brother here is a great walking billboard right now for our teachers where Jesus Christ will change your life. That's just a message, sir. Pastor Will, thank you, sir. We're honored to be with you. Thank you very, very much. We have a few of these tracks. We printed millions. If you want to take one and give it away to someone, uh, that would be our honor. 
help help so provide seed for the sower. It says love changes hearts, any heart. And on the back is is a way to give your heart to Jesus. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Let's give honor. We're honored. Yesterday, after he ministered, I said my life has changed. Now it's even more changed radically, and I'm so thankful. Praise God. We are so blessed that God has ministers in the body of Christ. His gifts to us as he ascended into heaven. There's there's a pair right here. So thank God for you and for your work, your labor of love, and uh, you're really blessed us today. We've got uh, we got a party, huh? Yeah. And, uh, anniversary party for the yeah. oh. birthday party. <laughs> but anyway, we're gonna get uh, more time to fellowship and everything. Thank you, Randy, for everything you and Norma yes. do and for making the arrangements that we can stay longer yes. today. And uh, we're going to try to get all the video players saved. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So God bless you all. And uh, just... Thank you. 